Chapter Ten of Mrs. Bindle by Herbert Jenkins. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Don W. Jenkins. Chapter Ten: The Coming of the Whirlwind. One. It's come, mate. Go away. We're not up yet. Cried the voice of Mrs. Bindle from inside the tent it's come mate repeated a lugubrious voice which bindle recognized as that of the tall despondent man with the stubbly chin who's come demanded bindle sitting up and throwing the bedclothes from his chest revealing a washed-out pink flannel nightshirt the blinkin field kitchen came the voice from without comin to have a look at it righto old sport i'll be out in two ticks i won't have that man coming up to the tent when when we're not up said mrs bindle angrily it's all right lizzie reassured bindle he can't see through and he ain't that sort of cove neither he added mrs bindle murmured an angry retort five minutes later bindle with trailing braces left the tent and joined the group of men and children gazing at a battered object that was strangely reminiscent of stevenson's first steam engine that's it said the man with the stubbly chin whose name was barnes known to his intimates as arry turning to greet bindle and jerking a dirt-grimed thumb in the direction of the travelling field kitchen dubious heads were shaken many of the men had already had practical experience of the temperament possessed by an army field kitchen that given she i see one of em cut in half by a crump muttered a little dark-haired man with red-brimmed eyes that seemed to blink automatically it wasn't half a sight neither he added who's going to stoke demanded barnes rubbing his chin affectionately with the pad of his right thumb im what's been the wickedest suggested bindle they were in no mood for lightness however none had yet breakfasted and all had suffered the acute inconvenience of camping under the supreme direction of a benign but misguided cleric what the hell i come here for i don't know said a man with a moist dirty face might a gone to south end with my brother-in-law i might he added reminiscently you wasn't half a mug was you remarked a wiry little man in a singlet and khaki trousers you're right there mate was the response blinkin barmy i must a been i was going to yarmouth confided a third only my missus got this ruddy camp on the streamin brain jawed about it till i was sick and give in for peace and quietness now look at me it's all the ruddy government a startin these ere stutterin camps complained a red-headed man with the face of a bolshevist they has races at yarmouth too grumbled the previous speaker not till september put in another one august said the first speaker aggressively and the two proceeded fiercely to discuss the date of the yarmouth races when the argument had gone as far as it could without blows and had quieted all other conversation bindle slipped away from the group and returned to the tent to find mrs bindle busy preparing breakfast he smacked his lips with the consciousness that of all the campers he was the best fed gettin a move on he cried cheerily and once more he smacked his lips pity you can't do something to help she retorted instead of loafing about with that pack of lazy scamps bindle retired to the interior of the tent and proceeded with his toilet that's right take no notice when i speak to you she snapped 
oh my god he groaned it's scratch all night and scrap all day it's an holiday all right he strove to think of something tactful to say but at the moment nothing seemed to suggest itself and mrs bindle viciously broke three eggs into the frying-pan in which bacon was already sizzling like an energetic wireless plant the savoury smell of the frying eggs and bacon reached bindle inside the tent inspiring him with feelings of benevolence and good-will i'm sorry lizzie he said contritely but i didn't hear you you heard well enough what i said was mrs bindle's rejoinder as she broke a fourth egg into the pan the kitchen's come he said pleasantly oh has it mrs bindle did not raise her eyes from the frying-pan she was holding over the scout fire for a minute or two bindle preserved silence wondering what topic he possessed that would soothe her obvious irritation they say the big tent's down at the station he remarked repeating a rumour he had heard when engaged in examining the field kitchen mrs bindle vouchsafed no reply did you sleep well lizzie he inquired sleep she repeated scornfully how was i to sleep on rough straw like that i ache all over he saw that he had made a false move in introducing the subject of sleep the milk hasn't come she announced presently with the air of one making a statement she knew would be unpopular bindle hated tea without milk you don't say so he remarked i must have a word with daisy she didn't ought to be puttin on her bloomin frills the paraffin's got into the sugar was the next bombshell well well said bindle i suppose you can't have everything cause you would like it another time perhaps you'll get up yourself and help with the meals i ain't much at them sort of things he replied conscious that mrs bindle's anger was rising you leave me to do everything as if i was your slave instead of your wife bindle remained silent he realized that there were times when it was better to bow to the storm ain't it done yet he inquired looking anxiously at the frying-pan that's all you care about your stomach she cried her voice rising hysterically so long as you've got plenty to eat nothing else matters i wonder i stand it i-i bindle's eyes were still fixed anxiously upon the frying-pan which in her excitement mrs bindle was moving from side to side of the fire look out he cried you'll upset it and i'm as hungry as an auk suddenly the light of madness sprang into her eyes oh you are are you well get somebody else to cook your meals and with that she inverted the frying-pan tipping the contents into the fire as bindle sprang up from the box on which he had been sitting she rubbed the frying-pan into the ashes making a hideous mess of the burning wood eggs and bacon with a scream that was half sob she fled to the shelter of the tent leaving bindle to gaze down upon the wreck of what had been intended for his breakfast picking up a stick charred at one end he began to rake among the embers in the vague hope of being able to disinter from the wreck something that was eatable but mrs bindle's action in rubbing the frying-pan into the ashes had removed from the contents all semblance of food with a sigh he rose to his feet to find the bishop gazing down at him had a mishap he asked pleasantly you've it it sir grinned bindle twenty years ago he added in a whisper twenty years ago murmured the bishop a puzzled expression on his face what was twenty years ago the little mishap what you was talkin about sir explained bindle still in a whisper 
i married mrs b then and she gets a bit jumpy now and again i see whispered the bishop she upset the breakfast well sir you can put it that way but personally myself i think it was the breakfast what upset her and you've got nothing to eat not even a tin to lick out sir dear me dear me cried the bishop genuinely distressed and then suddenly catching sight of barnes's lugubrious form appearing from behind a neighbouring tent he hailed him barnes approached with all the deliberation and unconcern of a pronounced fatalist our friend here has had a mishap said the bishop indicating the fire will you go round to my tent and get some eggs and bacon hurry up there's a good fellow barnes turned on a deliberate heel whilst bindle and the bishop set themselves to the reconstruction of the scout fire a quarter of an hour later when mrs bindle peeped out of the tent she saw the bishop and bindle engaged in frying eggs and bacon whilst barnes stood gazing down at them with impassive pessimism rising to stretch his cramped legs the bishop caught sight of mrs bindle good morning mrs bindle i hope your headache is better mr bindle has been telling me that he has had a mishap with your breakfast so i'm helping him to cook it i hope you won't mind if i join you in eating it now that's what i call tack muttered bindle under his breath but my ain't he a prize liar him a parson too mrs bindle came forward an expression on her face that was generally kept for the reverend mr mcfee of the alton road chapel it's very kind of you sir i'm sorry bindle let you help with the cooking but i'm going to help with the eating cried the bishop gaily but it's not fit work for a i know what you're going to say said the bishop and i don't want you to say it here we are all friends helping one another and giving a meal when the hungry appears for this morning i'm going to fill the role of the hungry i wonder if you'll make the tea mrs bindle mr bindle tells me your tea is wonderful oh my god muttered bindle casting up his eyes with what was almost a smile mrs bindle proceeded to do the bishop's bidding during the meal bindle was silent leaving the conversation to mrs bindle and the bishop by the time he had finished his third cup of tea mrs bindle was almost gay the bishop talked household management touched on religion and christian charity slid off again to summer camps thence on to marriage babies and the hundred and one other things dear to a woman's heart when he finally rose to go bindle saw in mrs bindle's eyes a smile that almost reached her lips i hope that if you ever honour us again sir you will let me know no mrs bindle it's the unexpected that delights me and i'm going to be selfish thank you for your hospitality and our pleasant chat and with that he was gone well i'm blowed muttered bindle as he gazed after the figure of the retreating bishop and me always thinking that you had to ave an im and a tin o salmon to make love to mrs b and now i suppose you'll go off and leave me to do all the washing up butter wouldn't melt in your mouth when the bishop was here you couldn't say a word before him she snapped and she proceeded to gather together the dishes no muttered bindle as he fetched some sticks for the fire he can talk tack all right but when you wants it to last it's better to have a tin of salmon to fall back on that morning daisy had a serious rival in the field kitchen which like her was an unknown quantity capable alike of ministering to the happiness of all or of withholding that which was expected of it it was soon obvious to the bishop that the field kitchen was going to prove as great a source of anxiety as daisy no one manifested any marked inclination to act as stoker 
apart from this the bishop had entirely forgotten the important item of fuel having omitted to order either coal or coke in addition there was a marked suspicion on the part of the wives of what they regarded as a new-fangled way of cooking a meal many of them had already heard of army field kitchens from their husbands and were filled with foreboding it took all the bishop's tact and enthusiasm to modify their obvious antagonism ain't going to trust anything combined in a rusty old thing like that said a fat woman with a grimy skin and scanty hair same here they didn't ought to have let us come down without making proper provision complained a second seizing an opportunity when the bishop's head was in the stoke-hole to utter the heresy bless me he said withdrawing his head unconscious that there was a black smudge on the right episcopal cheek it will take a dreadful lot of fuel now who will volunteer to stoke turning his most persuasive smile upon the group of men who had been keenly interested in his examination of the contrivance the men shuffled their feet looked at one another as if each expected to find in another the spirit of sacrifice lacking in himself their disinclination was so marked that the bishop's face fell until he suddenly caught sight of bindle approaching ah he cried here's the man i want now bindle he called out you saved us from the bull how would you like to become stoker surely i ain't as bad as all that sir grinned bindle i'm not speaking professionally laughed the bishop who had already ingratiated himself with the men because he did not talk like a ruddy parson i want somebody to take charge of this field kitchen he continued i'd do it myself only i've got such a lot of other things to see to i'll borrow some coal from mr timkins bindle gazed dubiously at the unattractive mass of iron dabbed with the weather-worn greens and browns of camouflage and war it's quite simple said the bishop you light the fire here that's the oven and you boil things here and we shall soon get it going i don't mind stoking sir said bindle at length but i ain't a-goin to take charge of oo's dinner's what if there's going to be any scrappin with the ladies well i ain't in it finally it was arranged that bindle should start the fire and get the field kitchen into working order and that the putting in the oven and taking out again of the various dishes should be left to the discretion of the campers themselves who were to be responsible for the length of time required to cook their own particular meals with astonishing energy the bishop set the children to collect wood and soon bindle throwing himself into the work with enthusiasm had the fire well alight there arrived from the farm a good supply of coal and coke you ain't half it it unlucky mate said the man with the bristly chin he ought to have hired a cook he added we come here to enjoy ourselves not to be blinkin stokers that's like them ruddy parsons he added always wantin something for nothin here come along cheerful cried bindle give me a and with this coke and a minute later the lugubrious barnes found himself sweating like a horse and shoveling fuel into the kitchen's voracious maw that's not the way the man straightened his back and with one hand on the spade gazed at mrs bindle who had approached unobserved with the grubby thumb of his other hand he rubbed his chin giving to his unprepossessing features a lopsided appearance what ain't the way missus he asked with the air of one quite prepared to listen to reason the coke should be damped was the response and you're putting in too much but we want it to burn up he protested mrs bindle ostentatiously turned upon him a narrow back 
you ought to know better at least bindle she snapped and proceeded to give him instruction on the art of encouraging a fire you'd better take some out she said ere old sport cried bindle give us he stopped suddenly his assistant had disappeared you mustn't let anyone put anything in until the oven's hot continued mrs bindle and you mustn't open the door too often you'd better fix a time when they can bring the food say eleven o'clock early doors threepence extra queried bindle we're going to have sausage toad in the hole and mind you don't burn it i'll watch it as if it was my own child vowed bindle if the bishop knew you as i know you he wouldn't have trusted you with this said mrs bindle as she walked away with indrawn lips and head in the air stepping with the self-consciousness of a bantam that feels its spurs blowed if she don't think i volunteered for the bloomin job he muttered as he ceased extracting pieces of coke from the furnace well if their dinner ain't done it's their fault and if it's overdone it ain't mine and with that he drew his pipe from his pocket and filled it no luck he cried as a grey-haired old woman with the dirt of other years on her face hobbled up with a pie-dish doors ain't open yet but it's an onion pie grumbled the old dame an onions takes a lot of cookin can't help it grinned bindle doors ain't open till eleven but began the woman nothin doin mother said the obstinate bindle you see this ere is a religious kitchen it's a different sort from an ordinary blasphemious kitchen on the stroke of eleven mrs bindle appeared with a large brown pie-dish the sight of which made bindle's mouth water now then he cried line up for the bacon queue shillin a ed and all bad nuts changed oh no you don't he cried as one woman proffered a basin i'm stoker not cook you shoves em in yourself and you fetches em when you wants em if there's any scrappin to be done i'll be umpire one by one the dishes were inserted in the oven and one by one their owners retired a feeling of greater confidence in their hearts now that they could prepare a proper dinner the men went off to get a drink and soon bindle was alone during the first half hour mrs bindle paid three separate visits to the field kitchen to her it was a new and puzzling contrivance and she had no means of gauging the heat of the oven she regarded it distrustfully and on the occasion of the second visit gave a special word of warning to bindle at eleven forty barnes returned with a large black bottle which he held out to bindle with an invitation to have a drink bindle removed the cork and put the bottle to his lips and his adam's apple bobbed up and down joyously ah he cried as he at length lowered the bottle and his head at the same time that's the stuff to give em and reluctantly he handed back the bottle to its owner who hastily withdrew at the sight of mrs bindle approaching when she had taken her departure bindle began to feel drowsy the sun was hot the air was still and the world was very good to live in still there was the field kitchen to be looked after for some time he struggled against the call of sleep but do what he would his head continued to nod and his eyelids seemed weighted with lead suddenly he had an inspiration if he stoked up the field kitchen it would look after itself and he would have just the forty winks his nature craved with feverish energy he set to work with the shovel treating the two stacks of coal and coke with entire impartiality then when he had filled the furnace he closed the door with the air of the roman sentry relieving himself of responsibility by setting a burglar alarm 
getting well out of the radius of the heat caused by the furnace he composed himself to slumber behind the heap of coke suddenly he was aroused from a dream in which he stood on the deck of a wrecked steamer surrounded by steam which was escaping with vicious hisses from the damaged boilers he sat up and looked about him the air seemed white with vapour in and out of which two figures could be seen moving he struggled to his feet and looked about him a few yards away he saw mrs bindle engaged in throwing water at the field kitchen and then dashing back quickly to escape the smother of steam that resulted the bishop with a bucket and a pink and blue jug was dashing water on to the monster's back bindle gazed at the scene in astonishment then making a detour he approached from the opposite side to see what it was that had produced the crisis just at that moment the bishop decided that the pail had been sufficiently lightened by the use of the pink and blue jug to enable him to lift it a moment later bindle was the centre of a cascade of water and a mantle of spray ere what the hell he bawled the bishop dodged around to the other side and apologized profusely explaining how mrs bindle had discovered that the field kitchen had become overheated and that between them they were trying to lower its temperature yes but i ain't overheated protested bindle you put too much coal in bindle the place would have been red hot in half an hour well but look at all them dinners that don't talk to him my lord said mrs bindle who from a fellow camper had learned how a bishop should be addressed he's done it on purpose no no mrs bindle said the bishop genially i'm sure he didn't mean to do it it's really my fault and mrs bindle left it at that from that point however she took charge of the operations the bishop and bindle working under her direction the news that the field kitchen was on fire conveyed to their parents by the children had brought up the campers in full force and at the double there had been a rush for the oven but mrs bindle soon showed that she had the situation well in hand and the sight of the bishop doing her bidding had a reassuring effect under her supervision each dish and basin was withdrawn and first aid administered to such as required it those that were burnt were tended with a skill and expedition that commanded the admiration of every housewife present they were content to leave matters in hands that they recognized were more capable than their own when the salvage work was ended and the dishes and basins replaced in an oven that had been reduced to a suitable temperature the bishop mopped his brow whilst mrs bindle stood back and gazed at the field kitchen as st george might have regarded the conquered dragon her face was flushed and her hands were grimed but in her eyes was a keen satisfaction for once in her life she had occupied the centre of something larger than a domestic stage my friends cried the bishop always ready to say a few words or point the moral we are all under a very great obligation to our capable friend mrs bindle a veritable martha among women he indicated mrs bindle with a motion of what was probably the dirtiest episcopal hand in the history of the church she has saved the situation and what is more she has saved our dinners now he cried boyishly i call for three cheers for mrs bindle and they were given with a heartiness that caused mrs bindle a queer sensation at the back of her throat the campers flocked round her and found that she whom they had regarded as uppish could be almost gracious anyhow she had saved their dinners it was mrs bindle's hour fancy him a-callin her martha when her name's lizzie muttered bindle as he strolled off he had taken no very prominent part in the proceedings he was a little ashamed of the part he had played in what had proved almost a tragedy that day the tired workers dined because of mrs bindle and they knew it 
various were the remarks exchanged among the groups collected outside the tents she didn't arf order the bishop about remarked to his wife the man who should have gone to yarmouth anyway if it hadn't been for er you'd have had cinders instead of baked chops and onions for your dinner was the rejoinder as his wife a waspish little woman rubbed a piece of bread round her plate she ain't got much to learn about a kitchen stove i'll say that for her she added with the air of one who sees virtue in unaccustomed places that afternoon when bindle was lying down inside the tent endeavouring to digest some fifty per cent more sausage toad in the hole than he was licensed to carry he was aroused from a doze by the sound of voices without we brought em for you missus it was the man with the stubbly chin must have made you a bit thirsty all that eat remarked another voice bindle sat up events were becoming interesting he crept to the opening of the tent and slightly pulled aside the flap best dinner we've had yet the speaker was the man who had seen a field kitchen dissected at givenchy he was just in the line of bindle's vision pulling the flap still further aside he saw half a dozen men standing awkwardly before mrs bindle who with a bottle of guinness stout in either hand was actually smiling it's very kind of you she said thank you very much in his astonishment bindle dropped the flap and the picture was blotted out come and have a look at daisy he heard the man with the stubbly chin say it was obviously his conception of terminating an awkward interview good day he heard a voice mumble to which mrs bindle replied with almost cordiality bindle scrambled back to his mattress just as mrs bindle pulled aside the flap of the tent and entered a bottle still in either hand at the sight bindle became aware of a thirst which until then had slumbered i can do with a drop of guinness he cried cheerily his eyes upon the bottles nice of them coves to think of us it was me not you was mrs bindle's rejoinder as she stepped across to her mattress but you don't drink beer lizzie he protested your temperance i'll drink em for you if you do i'll kill you bindle and the intensity with which she uttered the threat decided him that it would be better to leave the brace of guinness severely alone but he was sorely puzzled two that evening in the sanded tap-room of the trowel and turtle the male summer campers expressed themselves for the twentieth time uncompromisingly upon the subject of bishops and summer camps they were fed up to the ruddy neck and would give not a little to be back in london where it was possible to find a pub without getting a blinkin blister on your stutterin eel it was true the field kitchen had arrived that they had eaten their first decent meal and there was every reason to believe that the marquis was at the station still they were sick of the whole streamin business to add to their troubles the landlord of the trowel and turtle expressed grave misgivings as to the weather the glass was dropping and there was every indication of rain rain'll just put the scarlet lead on this blinkin beano was the opinion expressed by one of the party and endorsed by all as with the landlord's advice to see that everything was made snug for the night they trooped out of the comfortable tap-room and turned their heads towards the summer camp at the entrance of the meadow they were met by patrol leader smithers you must slack the ropes of your tents he announced there may be rain only just slack them a bit don't overdo it or they'll come down on the top of you if the wind gets up oh crikey moaned a long man with a straggling moustache as he watched patrol leader smithers march briskly down the lane 
for some moments the men gazed at one another in consternation each visualized the desperate state of discomfort that would ensue as the result of wind and rain let's go and have a look at daisy said bindle inconsequently his companion stared at him in surprise a shrill voice in the distance calling Ennery! seemed to lend to them decision particularly to Ennery himself they turned and strolled over to where daisy was engaged in preparing the morrow's milk supply she had been milked and was content look here mates began bindle having assured himself that there were no eavesdroppers we're all fed up with summer camps for tired workers that so up to the blinkin neck said a big man with a dirt-grimed skin voicing the opinion of all there ain't no pubs said a burly man with black whiskers no pictures can't put a shillin on an orse can't do anything but watch this ruddy cow broke in the man with the stubbly chin well well perhaps you're right only i couldn't have said it half as politely said bindle with a grin we're all for good old fulham where a cove can lay the dust ain't that so mates the men expressed their agreement according to the intensity of their feelings well listen said bindle and i'll tell you they drew nearer and listened twenty minutes later when the voice demanding enery became too insistent to be denied the party broke up and there was in the eyes of all that which spoke of hope three that night as patrol leader smithers had foretold there arose a great wind which smote vigorously the tents of the surrey summer camp for tired workers for a time the tents withstood the fury of the blast they swayed and bent before it putting up a vigorous defence however presently a shriek told of the first catastrophe then followed another and yet another and soon the darkness was rent by cries shrieks and lamentations whilst somewhere near the bindle's tent rose the voice of one crying from a wilderness of canvas for enery mrs bindle was awakened by the loud slatting of the tent flap pandemonium seemed to have broken loose the wind howled and whistled through the tent ropes the rain swept against the canvas sides with an ominous swish the pole bent as the tent swayed from side to side bindle she cried get up allo he responded sleepily he had taken the precaution of not removing his trousers a circumstance that was subsequently used as evidence against him the tent's coming down she cried get up and hold the prop as she spoke she scrambled from beneath the blankets and seized the brown mackintosh which she kept ready at hand in case of accidents wrapping this about her she clutched the bending pole whilst bindle struggled out from among the bedclothes scrambling to his feet he tripped over the tin bath clutching wildly as he fell he got mrs bindle just above the knees in approved rugger style with a scream she relinquished the pole to free her legs from bindle's frenzied clutch and losing her footing she came down on top of him leave go she cried get up orf my stomach then he gasped at that moment the wind gave a tremendous lift to the tent mrs bindle was clutching wildly at the base of the pole bindle was striving to wriggle from beneath her the combination of forces caused the tent to sway wildly a moment later it seemed to start angrily from the ground and she fell over backwards whilst a mass of sopping canvas descended stifling alike her screams and bindle's protests that he was being killed 
it took bindle nearly five minutes to find his way out from the heavy folds of wet canvas then he had to go back into the darkness to fetch mrs bindle in order to effect his own escape bindle had cut the tent ropes just as he had found mrs bindle a wild gust of wind entered behind him lifted the tent bodily and bore it off the suddenness of the catastrophe seemed to strike mrs bindle dumb to be sitting in the middle of a meadow at dead of night clothed only in a night-dress and a mackintosh with the rain drenching down seemed to her to border upon the indecent you there lizzie came the voice of bindle like the shout of one hailing a drowning person where's the tent demanded mrs bindle inconsequently god knows he shouted back probably it's at yarmouth by now holy ointment he yelled what's the matter i trodden in the margarine it's all we've got she cried her housewifely fears triumphing over even the stress of wind and rain and her own intolerable situation from the surrounding darkness came shouts and inquiries as disaster followed disaster heaving masses of canvas laboured and one by one produced figures scanty of garment and full of protest but mercifully unseen women cried children shrieked and men swore volubly i'm sittin in something sticky cried bindle presently you've upset the marmalade why can't you keep still keep still bindle was searching for the two bottles of guinness stout he knew to be somewhere among the debris unconscious that mrs bindle had packed them away in the tin bath as the other tents disgorged their human contents the pandemonium increased in every key appeals were being made for news of lost units by the side of the tin bath mrs bindle was praying for succour and the lost bell tent which had sped towards the east as if in search of the wise men leaving all beneath it naked to the few stars that peeped from the scudding clouds above only to hide their faces a moment later as if shocked at what they had seen suddenly a brilliant light flashed across the meadow and began to bob about like a hundred candle-power will-o'-the-wisp it dodged restlessly from place to place as if in search of something behind a large acetylene motor-lamp walked patrol leader smithers searching for one single erect bell-tent there was none shrieks that had been of terror now became cries of alarm forms that had struggled valiantly to escape from the billowing canvas now began desperately to wriggle back again to the seclusion that modesty demanded with heads still protruding they regarded the scene praying that the rudeness of the wind would not betray them taking immediate charge patrol leader smithers collected the men and gave his orders in a high treble and his orders were obeyed by the time the dawn had begun nervously to finger the east sufficient tents to shelter the women and children had been re-erected the cause of the trouble discovered and the men rebuked for an injudicious slacking of the ropes i ought to have seen it myself remarked patrol leader smithers with the air of one who knows he has to deal with fools you'll be all right now he added reassuringly all right now growled the man with the stubbly chin as he looked up at the gray scudding clouds and then down at the rain-soaked grass we would if we was ducks or ruddy boy scouts but we're men we are on holiday he added with inspiration and he withdrew to his tent conscious that he had voiced the opinion of all five later that morning three carts laden with luggage rumbled their way up to west boxton railway station followed by a straggling stream of men women and children 
overhead heavy rain clouds swung threateningly across the sky men were smoking their pipes contentedly for theirs was the peace which comes of full knowledge behind them they had left a litter of bell tents and the conviction that daisy in all probability would explode before dinner-time what cared they a few hours hence they would be once more in their known and understood fulham as they reached the station they saw two men struggling with a grey mass that looked like a deflated balloon the men halted the party and appealed for help it's the ruddy marquee cried a voice the blankin tent cried another not to be outdone in speculative intelligence you can take it back with you cried one of the men from the truck we're demobbed old son said bindle cheerily we've struck no more blinkin camps for me said the man with a stubbly chin ear ear came from a number of voices are we down-arted inquired a voice no and the voices of women and children were heard in response some half an hour later as the train steamed out of the station bindle called out to the porters tell the bishop not to forget to milk daisy well mrs b said bindle that evening as he lighted his pipe after an excellent supper of sausages fried onions and mashed potatoes you ad your holiday i believe you was at the bottom of those tents coming down bindle she cried with conviction well you was underneath wasn't you was the response and bindle winked knowingly at the white jug with the pink butterfly on the spout end of chapter ten read by don w jenkins rancho san diego california shaggybark.blogspot.com